Thank you for tuning in to another segment of Outside the Box. I am your host, Oneid, the CEO. And today, I'm going to warn you, there's a trigger alert. We will be discussing some topics that have been swept under the rug by so many for so long. But we are focused on breaking generational curses. So, buckle up your seatbelts. You are now tuned in, plugged in, tapped in to Outside the Box. once again and without further ado I want to go ahead and introduce our special guest see she is the CEO and founder of survivors with voices I want you guys to give it up for Alyssa Rochelle Jones hello 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 thank you so much for coming I just had to have you on the show I'm so grateful shout out to Chris uh, Smith for introducing us um, and uh, for having the platform that we met on because it was a blessing and so meeting you I knew that it was just it was divine intervention and so I want to I want you first to tell us more about who you are and what it is that you do well as you said I am the CEO and founder of survivors with voices I am the author of the stones that built me strong which comes with a workbook I am the visionary for survivor behind the name volume one and two and I will be doing more volumes. I want to evolve into, you know, getting into men sharing their stories and things like that. Um, and then I am working on another um, compilation book, which is focused on mothers that have lost their children to domestic violence and suicide and things like that. And that will be the mother behind the mother murdered child. So I'm excited about that. And I'm also a Lifetime Award recipient from the Obama Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, that is awesome. (laughs) What an honor to be sitting across from you. Thank you very much. I mean, you found your purpose and you were passionate about it. And it has created a pathway for more than just yourself. Right. So, you know, when you realized that it was bigger than you. Yes. And you wanted to do public speaking. Like, when did you decide that you wanted to? start doing public speaking how did that start well actually I was a part of another organization that my friend Cheryl Roberts had started and in that organization she asked me to speak on her platform and it was my first time sharing so at that time I typed out my whole testimony and um, the point for me was when I started sharing my testimony I realized how much I was not healed I realized how much that I carry that burden of sexual abuse and domestic violence through each area of my life. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't until I began to speak about it that something in me said, you know what, I need to tell my testimony, not just for me, but it's for somebody that's going through at the moment. So at that particular time when I shared my testimony, that moment for me was after I shared and I, I, it was emotional. I mean, I literally read 
And I'm like, public speakers don't do that. But for me, it was a vulnerable moment. It was my very first time sharing. And once I got done and walked off that stage, for me, it was the the woman that came to me and said, you know, I was going to commit suicide. And hearing your testimony encouraged me not to give up. And that was my aha moment to say, you know what, I need to start a platform and an organization to help to use my testimony to empower the next survivor. I commend you for that because um, so many women, especially in you're a successful woman, so you you know a lot of women can use what they went through as a crutch to not push. Right. And then the women that did push forward, a lot of them don't even want to talk about that because they feel like no one has to know that dark side of me. Exactly. So for you to be both, both successful and that little girl who didn't have a voice back then. Right. To be able to do it, I commend you. You know, um, I too, you know, went through some things. And when I spoke to a loved one, I'm not going to say who. Of course. About it, because I do poetry and spoken word. And some of my spoken word um, that I don't perform live right. has a lot of what happened to me in it. And I was told that, well, maybe you just don't need to say that one because, mm. you know, you don't want to upset anybody. Right. And all due respect, it came from an elder, but that's just their learned behavior. Right. Of, it, it that's taboo. Don't is. talk about it. Right. But to me, it was a re-injury to me. It was like. It pushed you it, right it, back it, into it silence. Was, it, it was like picking a womb off a scab because mm -hmm. I'm trying to use my voice to heal and you're victimizing me all over again right. by telling me that my voice is not valid. Yes. So I say that to ask you, um, how did your family receive it, receive it when you decided to tell what happened to you? Well, to be honest with you, when I started sharing it, I had to make up in my mind that they didn't matter mm -hmm. because if you start, living your life and and well reliving your past worried about what they're going to think you'll never share it right. so I had to really get into my mind that they didn't matter now after I shared it of course it was a backlash you know um, because my mother was the youngest of 16 children so the the way that it got to a point of it didn't matter was I knew that I was suffering on the inside and I watched my mother growing up um, have failed marriages, have failed relationships and how it affected her life because she did not heal from something in her past. Mm -hmm. And although I didn't know exactly at that time what it was, later on I found out before she passed. And so um, the gentleman that sexually abused me was deceased when I started sharing my t story. And so, um, you know, at that time, you know, I had to think about my children. I had a daughter at this time. And, you know, I had to really think about if this was to happen to her. And I just wanted to be that voice for the next person that may have been going through it at that time and didn't know how to deal with it. There's a lot of older women in the organization um, right now that have dealt with sexual abuse that have never talked about it until they came to Survivors with Voices. Mm -hmm. And so to be able to be that 
that missing link that they missed mm-hmm. to see that I'm strong enough mm-hmm. to tell my testimony, to see that I'm strong enough to fight the adversity of your family mm-hmm. talking about it, um, your family not accepting it. Because at the end of the day, it's your truth. Mm-hmm. It's your truth, and their perception does not matter. And you have to walk in your truth. You have you to. Do. You do. Yeah, y'all hear that? If y'all out there listening, you have to walk in your truth. Don't be afraid to speak up. Don't be afraid to be judged. We also have a lot of men, you yeah. know, that have been sexually abused that deal with so much internally because to admit that right. would automatically give them a, a stigma. Right. You know, people would categorize them automatically. And some of them are still trying to find their identity. Yes. You know, because they don't know if they liked it or not. Right. They just don't understand it. And mm-hmm. so it it comes out in their relationships because right. in their mind they like women, but they're still battling with what happens to them as children by grown men. Right. Because they didn't have a voice in the and if they did and, use and, a voice, it could have been silenced. Right. And and I want you to also understand that <clears throat> it's not talked about most of the time, but women do molest boys. Yes. And so, um, you know, it's not just the men factor. Um, if you can remember the movie Anton Fisher, where mm-hmm. he talked about that. So, you know, it's it's a it's a multifaceted of a lot of situations that can happen that will will trigger you and say, you know what, I'm never sharing that again. Mm-hmm. But what people don't understand is your testimony isn't for you, it's for that person that is going through at the moment. They need to learn and know how to get through it and how to grow through it. So I've used some of the steps that I have done in my past to help these women get past some of the things that they have dealt with or still dealing with in their mm-hmm. past. Because a lot of times what people don't understand is your past has molded you into who you are but don't let it affect the relationships that you have Mm -hmm. moving forward because it will hinder you right well unless you actually start to heal right you're going to continue to do it because what normally comes from that type of abusive environment is a codependency exactly is a need to feel needed and so you continuously find yourself in a cycle with people that will take advantage of you right. and you will willingly let them do it because exactly. you just need to feel loved and needed because you don't know what that feels like so you yearn for it right but I don't want to ramble I actually have a video where you shared your story I did and I just want to share that with everyone okay, else awesome let's take a look you better kiss me before time is run now The foundation of my life was sexual abuse. And then everything after that crumbled. My life changed at the age of eight years old. I was in a two-parent home. I was happy. I was spoiled. My daddy walked around the house called me baby girl. I was a happy little girl until the day my parents decided to get a divorce. And I don't know about you, but when parents go through a divorce, kids go through a divorce too. It's just real. This is my home that I grew up in. From Springfield, Ohio. And at that time, those changes happened. I seen my dad exiting the home. 
I was Daddy's little girl. I looked up to him. And now my life is in shambles. <clears throat> my mom, she didn't know how to channel her emotions. All I seen was anger towards my dad. All I seen was division. My mother removed me from the elementary school where my dad worked. He worked at my school. And this was me at 11 years old. My mother went from a two income home to a one income home. And so she felt like she needed to supplement her income. So she allowed a man to enter into our home and live in our basement. That man became my worst nightmare. When I say my worst nightmare, my worst nightmare. I hated coming home from school. I can remember coming home from school and just with disgust, not understanding why this was happening to me. You know, it started with, hey, come sit on my lap. Then it progressed to, hey, give me a kiss on the cheek. And then it went from kissing him on the cheek to kissing him on his mouth. And then from there, I was subject to having intercourse with him every day after school. Every day after school. And I remember laying there in tears, screaming for my mommy and my daddy. And there was times I even screamed for my brother. But as I screamed, the cries got softer and softer because I realized this is going to continue and nobody hears me. Nobody hears me. And it got to the point where I said, God, I don't want to deal with this anymore. Death for me would be easier to deal with. So I remember I made a decision. I was going to end it all. I remember being so close to my grandmother and my grandmother Rosemary had passed away. And I would just sit there at night and think, if I could just go be with my grandmother, she would not let this happen to me. She would protect me. She would protect me. And so I remember walking down the long dark hallway, going to the bathroom, going in the medicine cabinet, and I said, I'm going to just take these pills. Because if I have to wake up another day and he is taking advantage of me, I just don't want to go on. And so I remember as I was swallowing the pills and I was gagging, but I didn't care because I did not want to see the next day. I did not want to see the next day. I remember I went to sleep, but I woke up the next day. And I was sick to my stomach, and I just couldn't understand why God woke me up. But as I stand in front of you today, God had a purpose for this moment. Wow, that was very emotional to watch, you know, and I commend you for sharing your story again. Thank you. Um, there's so much strength in that just to see that you were able to bring all those people together because I'm sure that there was a lot of people in that room it was. that shared a commonality of going through the same thing. 
So that's a beautiful thing. You went on to write a book. So tell yes. us a little bit more about your book. The the book was well is the stone that the stones that built me strong, and um, that book was a memoir. And I say all of that to say I had went through a bad divorce. And um, he was seeing another woman and I guess they had pillow talk or what have you. But she used to torture me with some of the secrets that she knew about me from my past. Mm -hmm. And one of them was being sexually abused and some of the things that I had went through in my past. So um, I started feeling like Eminem from the eight mile. Like, you know, when he won that rap battle and he said, you know what? Tell them something else they don't know about me. So when I came about and did this book, I said, you know, I'm going to put all of my, you know, transgressions secrets everything all the experiences that I went to through even the sexual abuse um some of the um you know relationship things that I had went through um some of the things that I wasn't proud of in my life and I said I'm going to write this book because I felt like at the time that all those stones that was thrown at me hit me were meant to knock me down Mm -hmm. but each time I took that stone and turned it into something powerful and I built myself strong Mm -hmm. so that's where the title the stones that built me strong came from because I mean if you think about my life of being um, sexually abused being in a domestic violence relationship um, just going through a divorce and going through many challenges with having my children um, and being homeless and and trying to sell drugs and you know just coming back and to be who I am today every single stone that meant to come to destroy me built me into the person that I am today and I'm standing on top of those stones saying look at me you did not kill me like you meant to kill me with the stones that was thrown at me that is like a testimony yes it is that is a testimony and you know those those stones those scars those cracks they gave you character like a beautiful mosaic thank you you know because you were able to take your story and help heal others right i'm still healing yes you know and one of the things that was probably the most difficult for me to do was to sit down and tell my mother mm-hmm. everything that right. had happened to me and everyone that had violated me. Mm-hmm. And I had to do that to free myself because, one, I didn't want her first time hearing about it to be on a public platform. Right. And that was the beginning of my healing journey. And believe it or not, I'm 40, and I didn't start really addressing it until I was, like, 38. Me and as well. it yeah. was because I had went through a divorce. Right. From a husband that was pillow talking. (laughs) (laughs) They do that good, don't they? And really the embarrassment is what held me accountable. So many women stay in um, abusive relationships, whether it be physically abusive, because he wasn't that. But he was emotionally emotionally abusive because of his, you know, infidelity. But whether it be, you know, emotional, physical, whatever, a lot of women who want that happy look, you know, deal with a lot of abuse. Right. And as long as no one they know know about it, it's easier for them to sweep under the rug. Correct. You know, but 
my husband, ex-husband and I at at that time was very public. It was very like couple goals, hashtag, right, whatever that is. Yeah. First of all, there's no such thing as goal, <laughs> couple goals. You create your, your reality goals, right. within your own relationship, right. the dynamic that works for you. But back to our schedule program. <laughs> so at that time, I la- I basically went through what I would call a dark night of the soul. Yeah. It was like I was mourning the death of someone still walking the earth. And I didn't understand. I was like, why me? Because Mm -hmm. this was my third major long-term relationship. And even though they all ended different, they all resonated the same. Yeah. Because the only common denominator in those failed relationships was me. Oh, okay. So I had to have some type of accountability. And the only thing that I could account for was my need to feel wanted. Mm. Then I had to go back, well, what started that? Right. And then it caused me to have to dig deeper into the abuse, you know, the physical abuse that I took from my first husband, you know, down to being married again and him having a child, you know, outside the marriage, Mm -hmm. in our marriage. Right. You know, why did I choose these men? Mm -hmm. What was it about them that made me choose them? And a lot of it was based on trauma. Yeah. You know, the trauma bonding mm-hmm. and out and, and I wasn't loving myself. Mm-hmm. So I had to figure out what would help me love myself. And it was more or less standing in my truth and not being the picture perfect person that everybody think Thank they you see. Are, right. And and be OK. And when you can tell your truth and you can stand in it, no matter what, you take your power back. Right. I tell all my survivors. You don't want to stand in your story. You want to stand on top of your story. Mm-hmm. And I, I, that is one of the things that I live by when my survivors come into the organization. Because a lot of times you'll stand in it and it will hover you and it will it will consume you mm-hmm. if you do not stand on top of your story. Mm-hmm. So you're and, absolutely and, and correct. And don't assume. I tell this to anybody that's surviving or even maybe going through it. Don't assume that other loved ones know and just are turning the cheek. Right. Don't just assume that they know, you know, because when I went to my mom and we were able to talk, I could look in her eyes and tell she didn't know. Right. But it's my first time saying this. Like, for a long time I resented my mom Mm -hmm. and I rebelled on my mom because I felt like she didn't care. Yeah. But it wasn't that. Mm-hmm. It was because I was the the fear was already instilled from my abuser mm-hmm. not to tell her. Mm-hmm. And she was so busy working and providing yeah. and you know she was like me like I have multiple jobs. Yes, you know? we do. And <laughs> we was a, a single parent household, right. you know, before my abuser came into it. So she was trying to give us the best life she knew how. Right. So it wasn't that she didn't care. It's just that I wasn't I didn't have a voice. So I wasn't talking to her and I, everything my abuser made sure that everything looked normal. Right. So when I was able to sit down and really talk to my mom, do you know that started a whole different type of healing journey within our relationship? Yeah. Because now she can give me that that love or that, you know, I'm sorry this happened on my watch. Yeah. And I don't blame her. It's not her fault, you mm-hmm. know, and and you know, sometimes just being able to go and talk to the people that you thought knew. Right. And just having a real dialogue about it, 
it's healing within itself. Well, I, I can definitely relate. And it's crazy because when you messaged me, you said our stories were so much similar. I didn't realize our mother's stories were so much similar because I grew up hating my mother after um, being sexually abused because I felt like she allowed him into our home. Um, I went for years without talking to my mother, and um, it was three years before she passed away. I went to go find her because she had became ill, and she had um, congestive heart failure among rheumatoid arthritis and other things. And it was sad because I didn't know exactly what apartment my mother was in, but I was able to find her. And I remember knocking on her door, and she came, and she was in a wheelchair at the time. And she looked at me, and she just began to cry. We had not talked for a year. And um, what happened was I had sold her home. I was her power of attorney. And because I was so angry at her, my mother loved money. And what I wanted to do to pay her back is the the finances from the house, I sold her money. And so we didn't talk for a year after that. Um, when I seen her that day, I finally sat down and I shared with her why I was so angry. I blamed her for my abuse. I blamed her for allowing the abuser to come into the home. Um, but she had just got divorced. And so that was her way to survive, to rent out the basement of our home. Um, what I learned in that night. Um, and it was very emotional. What I learned was she told me and she looked at me. She said, I didn't know how to protect you because I was abused, sexually abused by my brother at gunpoint. Um, her mother passed away when she was 12 years old. Um, so she was left to her own vices. And then when she moved to her sister's house, her sister's husband um, raped her as well. And so. When it happened to me, she didn't know how to react because every time it happened to her, somebody swept it under the rug. Mm -hmm. And so all these years I was mad at her and I lost so much time with her because I didn't understand what her journey was with sexual abuse. And so um, I say all that to say that um, during that time that we made up, I didn't realize I only had three years left. Mm -hmm. And we were just getting back on track starting a healthy relationship and um I remember she had went into the hospital getting into the hospital um she had called me I had she was in Ohio and I was in Texas and um she told me she said well I have congestive heart failure and she was like I'm scared because I don't want them to do surgery on me will you move me to Ohio State and I said, yeah, mom, I'll, I'll give them a call, have the doctor, and you know, have you move because you don't want the surgery. And at that time, I was working at Lennar Homes, the top loan officer doing 40, 50 loans a month. So, you know, my, my plate was heavy. Um, and so she, she said, you promise? And I said, I promise. And she said, I love you. And I said, I love you, too. I got into work that morning, um, had a builder meeting. Um, Annie, I did not make that call. The next call I got on my phone was them telling me that they took my mom into the surgery and she had problems with anesthesia because she had congestive heart failure and she was without oxygen for 20 minutes. Um, and I remember yelling on the phone, please don't let my mom die. Um, and uh, when I got there, I got to Ohio. Um, she was in a coma. She was on life support. And. I remember those seven days was the worst seven days of my life because I had hopes that she would come back. I had hopes that she would make it through this. And um, I ended up walking away from my job because during that time that I was up there with her for those seven days while she was on the life support, 
they were telling me I had to get my loans done. So as I'm sitting there watching her fight for her life, I'm sitting on my laptop doing these loans because they basically said if I did not do them, I would not get the money Mm -hmm. for closing the loans. And once I realized that at that time my mom was 69, if she turned 70, her life insurance was going to go from 15 grand to five grand. Mm -hmm. So I need these thousands of dollars and I'm going to make from these loans in case I need to pay for my mother's funeral. Mm -hmm. And, um, Going through that and the transition, I really never got to grieve. And the hardest decision I had to make was to take her off life support and her organs began to fail. And it was me and my brother, Damon. And that was the worst decision I ever had to make. And I remember just standing there and saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't know three years was all I had left. And so um, when I created the organization after she passed away, one of the things I wanted to do was teach people about forgiveness. So I created an award in her honor called the Odessa Award. It's an award of forgiveness. Because at that moment, I realized how life short was. And to not forgive her for all those years, I lost so much time with her. And at the time, I got back and good with her and we're just now getting our mother-daughter relationship back was the moment where God took her. Mm-hmm. And so I teach people about forgiveness and how, you know, um, don't wait too late because forgiving them now, you don't know how soon or um, how long you have before they transition and you never get to say all the things that you need to say mm-hmm. um and and i just remember telling her i just want you to know i love you i just want you to know i love you and so um i live for the moment to teach people how to forgive and have that legacy in her honor that is i'm, I'm trying to keep it <laughs> i know i'm trying to keep it together so myself but when you decided to have your platforms and write your books and share your story and your testimony. I'm so moved that you forgive me. <laughs> You're fine. And yes, we're gonna run a little longer today because <laughs> this is this is important. Yeah. Um, but when you decided to do all that, did you have a support team? Um, the support team was the people that believed in my organization, the survivors that came into my organization that believed in my mission, that I have helped them share their testimony. Um, so um that was my support team and more so my children. Mm-hmm. When I look at all three of them, they are my why on why I share my past, my present, and my future because they're watching me. Mm-hmm. And um, I had to work on the relationship with my daughter because, um, you know, there were some things that within me were broken that I didn't know how to have a relationship with her. So that's something that I intentionally do now is have a relationship with her and have a relationship with my sons um, about who I am and who they are becoming. And so um, I'm very blessed to be able to do that. Now, you also do empowerment summits. I do. How often and do you do those? I, I you actually travel from city to city. I do. So um, tell me yeah, I um, get a lot of requests for speaking engagements. So I have been across the world sharing my testimony and also some of the techniques that are used to help survivors heal and move forward with their testimonies and uh, move just from their past and just being stuck. Um, but I have a work um, a. a 
conference that I do is Unlock Your Voice City Tour Mm -hmm. that I do. And um, I traveled with Michelle Lay. She came on board and we did a five city tour, which was amazing. We got to touch a lot of survivors with doing that. And then um, I always do like a theme to that. Um, Unlock Your Voice, uh, Voice Your Invisible Wounds. And then um, the one uh, conference that was shown was the unapologetic truth. Mm-hmm. I wanted people to not apologize for their truth and who they were. I wanted them to be unapolog- unapologetic uh, unapologetic about who they were. Um, I recently did an event back in February uh, on Valentine's Day in honor of my father, uh, Thomas Bill, um, the Let Me Love You Tour. Mm-hmm. Um, I started with that because I started having challenges in my marriage. And with that, what I understood was a lot of it may have had to do with my past or one of the things you said of why you accept the trauma bond and the love that you accept from people when it's emotionally toxic and abusive. Right. And so the Let Me Love You Tour was birthed out of watching my father be married to his wife, which was not my mother for 30 years, and how he loved her, how he took care of her heart, and how he nurtured her. Um, and so when he passed away in 2019 on Valentine's Valentine Day, I wanted to do something in his honor to show couples on how you can get through, and, and especially women and survivors that have been through sexual abuse, to let somebody love them, to let them be vulnerable, but not deal with the manipulation that comes with that and things like that. Now, um, what advice could you give someone that are struggling mm-hmm. with, uh, still struggling with child, childhood trauma in mm-hmm. their adult life? Like, what advice could you give them? Uh, to begin to write. Uh, one of the things for me was doing a journal and writing down my thoughts. That's how my book was birthed. I did a um, outline mm-hmm. of putting it in order of, okay, my sexual abuse. What happened underneath that? Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went to school, what feelings were I, what what did I go through going through that? Mm-hmm. So just being able to write and put it down and getting those thoughts and feelings out. Um, one of the th- other things that I tell my survivors to do is go back to the past and talk to that little girl, talk mm-hmm. to that little boy, mm-hmm. write them a letter, tell them, you know, you love them, do a mirror show them exercise. that love, you know, um, of, of why, Mm-hmm. You know, they went through it. And I feel like even though it is traumatizing that you went through sexual abuse or domestic violence, ask yourself, why not me? Mm-hmm. God chose you to go through it because you were strong enough to get through it. But not only that, to use your testimony to empower the next survivor. I'm really big about that. Mm-hmm. Your testimony is to empower the next survivor. Now, Everything that you've been through. We want to stay up on you. Um, you have a Facebook page, right? Tell us your Facebook page. It is. I do have a Survivors with Voices Foundation page, but I I really like to use my personal page, and the reason is because some of these testimonies are really, really really deep Mm -hmm. and so I know that I'm personally getting your story I know I can personally respond Mm -hmm. I am very interactive with all of my survivors they know that they can inbox me you know text me call me I'm very 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 
touchable, reachable, okay. because I want to be able to be the one to get those stories. I don't want my assistant to get those stories. Right. So I use my personal Facebook ba- page, Alyssa Rochelle Jones, and I use my personal Instagram. Um, the Survivors with Voices page is just basically there for the highlights of what we've done, okay. um, the survivors that we impacted, the events we've had. Um, and so we use that for that. But personally, I like to be in tune with my and that's survivors. Alyssa Rochelle Jones that's Facebook Alyssa, page. Yes. Just find you right there just find me right send there you a dm that's it now for booking they can also do the same thing um, either your I, instagram, you have instagram yeah if they message me um i'll sit i'll shoot them an email address that they can email mm-hmm. which is a jones at survivors with voices.org if they okay. want to book me for any event or anything like that um those is the um i'll shoot them that information and the phone number as well well i want to thank you again thank you i wish we could talk longer we, I, I might have to bring you back for a we part might have two. to do some things you know definitely because we definitely have some stories that are and we have some people to touch and we do we have some people to help with their healing journey exactly so i want to thank you our guests our viewers and our listeners for tuning in be sure to check us out on all social media platforms you can find us on youtube itunes iHeartRadio, google Podcasts, google play soundcloud spotify spreaker and stitcher find one that works for you or be sure to go to the onay the ceo facebook page like so that you can get the alerts of when we go live catch us every wednesday at seven on outside the box i am one the ceo your host and you are now outside the box